Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Welcome to Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So we are father and son. I'm the father, by the way. And I'm a libertarian uh, and I'm a baby boomer. How would you describe yourself? Progressive and I'm a millennial. So we're going to give you our take on uh, legal issues. Uh, we're delighted that you've decided to join us, and we hope uh, you stick with us. We want to kick off the podcast with, of course, impeachment, because we've all been immersed like a, a tea bag in, in a giant bowl of soup. I'm mixing my food metaphors, I guess. That's disgusting. But, I mean, well, it's disgusting listening to these uh, people prattle on. And the, the thing that is... I'm loving it. I don't know why you don't. Here's what's getting me, Connor. I mean, I, I'm a trial lawyer. You're a trial lawyer. Mm-hmm. This isn't a trial. Sure. Now, my cousin Vinny, that had a trial. Oh, yeah. Fred Gwynn was a judge. And there were witnesses who couldn't see very well. Uh, Our our pal Dale Launer did a wonderful job writing that. A uh, classic film. Uh, Has that judge uh, actually done any other movies? Can he play anything other than a Southern judge? Because, I mean, in my mind, that's the only thing well, he could ever I, be. Well, I got news for you, and you're going to say, okay, Boomer here. He was Fred Munster. Uh, no. Yeah, he was on the Munsters. He was the, the judge for my kids and Vinny is Fred Munster. Yeah, and he was also uh, from um, Car 54, Where Are You? But here's, here's okay, my beef, Boomer. Connor. Here's my beef. <laughs> this is not a trial. Right. No, you're this right. is a situation. Let's, let's break it down. The judge is a ceremonial figure. Right. So ceremonial back in the, the Clinton situation, uh, Rehnquist, the chief justice, had a mm. special robe designed for himself with purple stripes going down the side. That Rehnquist so knew how to put on a show, huh? But here's the great story about Rehnquist. When he's sitting there and he asks the Senate aide, well, how do you activate the microphone, young man? The aide had to say, well, I'm sorry, sir. You can't <laughs> activate it. The Senate staff does. So he was emasculated. And the sure. same thing with Chief Justice John Roberts, you know, kingpin of the judicial world in America. He doesn't make any decisions. Literally right. every decision he would try to make, mm-hmm. it can be overruled by the U.S. Senate. That ain't a trial. Yeah. Every trial I've been in, the judge rules the courtroom with an iron hand. Mm-hmm. I remember I was hauled in in front of Judge Ito during the O.J. Simpson case, and he pointed at us and he threatened to turn the cameras off, and he had the total power to do it anytime he wanted. So that's a big difference in my mind between this thing that's going on and a trial. You don't have a judge yeah you're right it's a huge it's a huge difference i mean the idea that the jury would be running it's like saying that the inmates are running the asylum basically the jury can't overrule the judge and say no this is Mm -hmm. how we're gonna do it uh we're not gonna have this witness we are gonna have that witness we aren't gonna have this piece of evidence we are gonna have that piece of evidence we're not gonna do any of it we don't care we're gonna get up and walk in and out of the room we don't it doesn't matter and since try that at jury duty get up and walk out and go do an interview on fox 
while you're supposed to be sitting there listening to the trial yeah, and see and, how the and judge reacts. That's a good point of contrast, too, when you talk about the jury. The jurors here are the 100 senators. These guys, they, they may not stand up and talk during the trial, although a couple of them did. Mm-hmm. They yelled, not true, yeah. in response to something Schiff said. But the rule is they may not speak. But they can go outside and they can go in front of the Fox cameras or MSNBC or anybody else by contrast, Harvey Weinstein's trial that's kicking off in New York City, you heard about the juror that may go to prison for what he did? No. He tweeted a pal when this this potential juror was being questioned and he thought he was going to get on. He tweeted a pal. He said, hey, uh, do you know how I could make some money off of being on this high-profile trial? I'm thinking of a kind of a witty, dark screenplay. Uh, what do you think, Bert? And it, it got into the... Brilliant. The, the judge learned about it. And Brilliant. the judge said, you come back on March 12 and bring your lawyer because I'm thinking of con- finding you in contempt. So that's a contrast wow. between jurors. And the other big contrast is to get on a jury, you have to show you have an open mind. Mm. Now, sometimes you have stealth jurors who may lie about that stuff, but you're supposed to convince the judge and either side's lawyers are asking questions. Now, oh, uh, your grandmother was killed by this insurance company. Are you sure you can be fair, Hank? And so the guy... <laughs> He says, yes, I can have an open mind. And then the judge makes up his... Well, there's no question. The senators don't have an open mind. Yeah, you know, 99 out of 100 of them have already made up their minds. And the one who hasn't doesn't have a mind. I'm not going to give the name <laughs> of that senator. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's the, the Ken Bone effect as people, uh, uh, people love to look back at the Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump uh, election at uh, the, the famous Ken Bone and his trademark uh, red sweater. And he's looking so friendly and he's at a, a town hall full of voters. And uh, Ken Bone stands up and says, you know what, folks, uh, it's whatever, six weeks from the election between Hillary and Trump. And shucks, I just don't know who I like yet. I'm just not sure which side I'm going to come down. Right. How is there a swing voter six weeks before Hillary versus Trump? Either you're Trump or you're Hillary. There's nobody in between. Maybe. There are people that hate both, but there is nobody who goes, well, you know, he makes some good points, but I do like her positions on X, Y, and Z. It just doesn't exist. Well, it could happen if you were trapped with uh, Kimmy Schmidt yeah. down in that yeah. bunker and you were just emerged. <laughs> but now let's go to the issue of the rules in this trial, this impeachment trial. Mm-hmm. The rules of civil procedure in right. a normal situation. It's notice, due process, you know going in what the rules are. Here, no, the Senate makes up any rules they want. They have an initial template, but they could literally overrule the judge and change the rules. And as we've seen, we're going to have a decision shortly as to whether there are going to be witnesses in this trial at all, which is another interesting distinction between a regular trial. I mean, we may not have any witnesses at all. So in what sense really is it a trial? I mean, look, everybody knows that impeachment is this political process, not a strictly legal process like civil procedure, but people don't really understand the implications of that. When you use the word trial, when you put it on TV and you have people making, you know, speeches like Schiff uh, did and, and calling it an opening argument, and then the White House lawyers went up and did their opening argument, this starts making connections in people's brains to all the episodes of Law and Order that they saw or whatever understanding of the legal system they've got, and they start thinking, well, this system must be fair somehow. This this situation must have governing rules behind the scenes. You've got Chief Justice John Roberts sitting up there uh in the middle of everything, he must be watching over. He must be making sure it's all going well. No, 
They're, obviously, it's well, a complete sham controlled by the people who have the majority in the Senate because 67 senators can make whatever rules they want. He did. Actually, 51 is all you need. You mm -hmm. don't need the two-thirds to, to change. To, to overrule uh, Roberts. You actually, you only no, you only need a majority. Oh, my The gosh. only way you get the, the two-thirds comes into play is when you're convicting, when you're convicting the president. Ah. So you raise the TV angle. Uh, this, in my mind, is a TV show, Connor. Yeah. Attorneys are having their moment. I mean, you've heard that expression, politics is show business for ugly people. Yeah. No, that's harsh. I know. <laughs> and, and Mitt Romney is a good looking guy. Oh, man, dashing. But not everybody He's in the Senate is, is like a, a nine, like Mitt Romney is. <laughs> uh, you could say the same thing about trial lawyers. Yeah. You know, they're preening and they're storming around they and, are. and they're orating and so on. But the, you know, the, the thing is, uh, this is a reflection of the fact that we live in this media era mm -hmm. and people you know in a real trial when you and i try cases we know if we don't grab people by the lapels with a high-tech csi type electronic presentation they're going to be sleeping i've had people from our office sitting in the back of the courtroom watching trials and they say oh that was a really good uh, important point you made but there was nothing on the screen so some folks weren't paying attention mm -hmm. so you have to do that and that's essentially What's going to mean? Trump recognizes it. He was moaning and groaning about the fact that his side's presentation started on a Saturday. Right. And he said, well, the ratings are, are Death Valley in Saturday. And I was wondering, is he talking about Death Valley days? The host, the, the TV show Ronald Reagan hosted from the 50s? Uh, it, it's, Can I it, say OK Boomer again? There is you that, go. Okay. Oh, well, Ronald Reagan's TV shows definitely are, are archaic <laughs> reference. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It, it is a ratings uh, circus. And it's interesting it, uh, among trial lawyers, you'll hear people refer to it uh, different ways. But the, the thing you, you hear the most is the CSI effect. Yep. That is jurors expect a certain level of polish and a certain level of uh, scientific uh, evidence and merit behind the presentations they're seeing, the facts that, the, that lawsuits are based on or criminal cases are based on. And it doesn't matter that you and I do civil stuff, not criminal stuff. So we're all, you know, sh shuttling money around and people being liable to someone else, but nobody's going to jail over this. But the jurors still show up expecting it to look like a murder trial by default. So you've got to have the audiovisual presentation and you've got to have the sort of impassioned opening argument where you are opening statement where you, you know, describe what's going to happen in the trial. And if you don't have that, they start looking around and going, well, what do you mean we're just going to decide what happened right. in this case based on witnesses and evidence. And that's you want why to read documents. And that's why I've witnesses never read documents in my life. And that's why witnesses are so important because the Democrats know that just a bunch of lawyers standing up and orating, as good as Adam Schiff is, uh, it's it's not going to grab people. He's very good though. Well, you know, he's a, he's a former prosecutor. He's doing he's doing a good job there. Uh, witnesses can be explosive. I think that the Democrats' hope is to recreate the Kavanaugh template. Because you remember what happened when mm -hmm. Kavanaugh was up for the Supreme Court? There were two strategies the Democrats had. Number one, hammer on the Republicans for the idea that you're rushing to judgment, you're mm -hmm. suppressing the truth, we mm -hmm. want more witnesses, we want more documents. Well, you dumped 50,000 pages on us the night before we started, and they made some hay out of that. Yeah. Their, their second theme was the idea that, oh my gosh, in the course of this investigation, folks are popping up. It's like whack-a-mole. You've got more women. Show. Oh, he, was, he raped me on a boat. And they wanted to bring that in. And they, of course, had their star witness, Blasey Ford. 
And if you if you watch that hearing, I watched every minute of it that day when she testified in the morning. Everybody was saying he's toast. This yeah, guy it is. was incredibly compelling. She was an incredibly good witness and and it, incredibly credible. It was amazing how well she testified on her own behalf and and told this story and came off as this person who was doing the right thing. And that is what a lot of the witnesses in the House impeachment investigation did. They nailed it. You had incredibly good witnesses putting on performances you know, worthy of the Oscars to explain to people why this was the right thing for them to do, why they felt completely. Uh, compelled to come forward just you know i'm a career civil servant i've done this for years and years and i've i've, I've never you know seen anything like this sort of uh as as uh they, they described it uh, internally in the the investigation in the white house uh the drug deal that uh they were cooking mm-hmm. up rudy was cooking up i mean this was shocking stuff and the witnesses were able to convey that they were the tool that was was able you know, the democrats were able to use to really tell the american people what this was all about and they knew they had to do that even though that could, those investigations could have been done all behind closed doors, they knew they had to get it out now because during the Senate trial, they knew they'd have no chance because the Republicans control the rules. So getting back to this Kavanaugh template, mm-hmm. uh, the interesting thing to me was that at the, in the middle of the day, as I say, everybody was thinking, my gosh, she knocked it out of the park. In the afternoon, he knocked it out of the park. Now, yes, he was lampooned. Matt Damon goes on Saturday Night Live and just totally ridicules him. But the fact of the matter is... He rescued his career from the ashes with the emotion, the passion, the ardor. Uh, I mean, I think that's why the few Republican senators were that were maybe on the bubble ended up going for him. Now, so that that gives us an example of how the witnesses can be really compelling. And now we come forward to impeachment in a way, in a way, actually, it might help the Democrats if there are no witnesses for this reason. We've actually already seen Uh, A lot of witnesses say really compelling things. Uh, We're going to get more into this when we come back. This is Too Many Lawyers. Stick with us. We're back. This is Too Many Lawyers. Um, Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. We're talking about the impeachment trial. And I was coming up, Connor, with the controversial theory. I don't know if anybody in North America agrees with me on this. The controversial theory that maybe the Democrats are better without witnesses. Because Mm. stick with me on this. We've already seen dozens of witnesses in videotape form with wonderful sound bites that yeah. the Democrats have mm-hmm. rolled out. True. You know, Trump himself standing you know, with a helicopter in the background saying something incriminating. Yeah. When you have a witness at trial, there are two halves to, to the testimony. There is the grilling and the cross-examination, the Democrats reducing somebody to tears. But guess what? The folksy Southern lawyer for the president gets to stand up and say, well, Mr. Bolton, that, that was kind of uncomfortable, That's wasn't a very, it? Very let's go back over your testimony and let's explain what you were saying right. for the for the jury. And, and then the guy's able, with friendly questions, yeah. rehabilitating. So in a way, witnesses, it's a two-sided coin. It, Whereas it if there are no witnesses... All the senators and the American public really are left with is the slam bang sound bites, the sizzle mm-hmm. reel offered up by the Democrats. So, uh, are you with me? Have I convinced you that if you were Nancy Pelosi, no, no witnesses for it, us? It is actually a very good argument you make because the again, the a major difference between this trial and a real trial is the rules of evidence and specifically the rules against hearsay. 
hearsay prevents a, a, a lawyer in a, a normal trial from, well, okay, there are also rules against trials, uh, lawyers testifying themselves. Right. Uh, and it, in fact, in effect, we have lawyers testifying because there are no witnesses in the Senate trial. Uh, but also the hearsay rules prevent you from putting up uh, an out-of-court statement made uh, in order to uh, show that the statement itself is true and that the facts put up there in the statement are true. So, for example, uh, you can't show a video of, uh, of, a, of a witness saying something out of court um, and then say assert that the thing that the witness just said in the video is true. And that that is a weird hearsay law distinction that most people don't understand about the hearsay rule. They just think, oh, well, any out-of-court statement can't be used. That's not true. You can use out-of-court statements for lots of reasons, but you can't use an out-of-court statement to prove the truth of the fact asserted in the out-of-court statement. A famous example that you might have uh, uh, you might have heard or you know, your law school professor uh, might use to teach you this concept. If somebody says, uh, puts a, a witness up on the stand and the witness says, oh, I saw him uh, in a suit running down the street with a blue bag. That might sound like really good evidence. Right. And then on cross-examination, you'd get to uh, take it apart. But if instead you had somebody on the, uh, the witness stand who said, I talked to uh, Officer Sally, and Officer Sally said she saw him run down the street in a suit with a blue bag. Now, if we ask the first witness what kind of suit or what kind of bag, they'll be able to answer if we had Officer Sally herself. But if we don't, if we have the secondhand information, that is the, 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 the person who's describing what Officer Sally told her on the stand, and you say, okay, well, what kind of bag did Sally see? What kind of suit was the guy wearing? They will have no answer. Maybe it was a jumpsuit, and maybe it was a doctor's bag. Maybe it was a black plastic trash bag. It could be anything, and it could be exonerating evidence, and that's why the hearsay rule prevents out-of-court statements because if you can't ask Officer Sally, we just right. say that testimony is too dangerous to bring in. It could be misleading, worse and, than having no testimony and of course, at all. these rules of evidence won't necessarily they come into play exist. in the impeachment trial. And like you were describing, without witnesses and without the rules of civil procedure and evidence the democrats are able to put on a video montage of the best moments of all their prior witnesses and and trump making a fool of himself on tv and that is very very powerful it is entirely possible in my mind that the democrats if offered the opportunity uh somehow magically if mitch mcconnell um fell asleep at the wheel and they were able to bring in witnesses it's possible they'd choose not to so this really is a made for tv event yeah it is essentially a campaign ad mm -hmm. it's a trial but it's televised and the idea is that people are going to be influenced because let's face it they're not going to change enough senators' minds. No. If you have some smoking gun Watergate type type evidence, uh, then yeah, theoretically you could get uh, a bunch of Republicans joining the Democrats. No, you can't. Well, we have that evidence. That it, evidence exists. It's been put forth. It was found in the House investigation. It was found beforehand. It isn't seen as good enough. That's the problem. To the American public, if you read the public opinion polls, yep. it's split 50-50. Mm -hmm. It's like 51% say, right. yeah, maybe he's a bad enough guy. We should get rid of him. But I think because the senators really are irrelevant, which yep. is good because they're asleep half the time right. or they're drinking milk, yep. this is a made-for-TV <laughs> event. And so one of the things that the Republicans have to worry about, apart from, well, is Trump looking really bad? Is the evidence mounting up? 
They also don't want to look like they railroaded it, yep. like they suppressed the truth. And that's why I think Mitch McConnell bent a little and he said, okay, I'm not going to force 12-hour days for the opening state arguments. We're going to go eight-hour oh, days. Oh, you don't, you don't actually believe that. You know Mitch McConnell started this off like everyone starts off a negotiation with an oh, insanely cynic. high you think number. He, you think you he walked, knew he was going to move yeah. all along? He walked into that Honor, investigation cynic. and he said, I want $10 billion. And they said, that's too much. And that's he said, the worst Fine, Mitch I'll McConnell impression I've ever heard. Sorry, your Jay Sekulow impression added a southern accent, okay? I so guess. we're doing bad impressions today. Okay, so this this he walked into that negotiation asking for an astronomical number of hours, right. twelve hour days, which is a joke. Well, here's another thing he did though, Connor. Mitch McConnell said, oh, "Motion to dismiss? Why? Theoretically, we could have a motion to dismiss where the senators get together and say we don't really need to hear argument or witnesses. Mm -hmm. It's plain as a matter of law that these articles of impeachment are legally inadequate, so let's just have a vote right now, and a majority vote would be all he'd need to dump it. He didn't do that right. because he knew right. he would be look he would look bad yeah. to the American yeah. public. Another bizarre uh, reality of the fact that this is not in any way a trial is that the jurors would be the ones deciding the outcome of a motion to dismiss. A motion to dismiss is decided by the judge because a judge makes decisions about law. So that's the big distinction in in uh, a real trial is you've got a judge and a jury. The reason you've got both those groups in the in the courtroom is because the judge is to is there to say, oh well, yeah, I know what the rules of civil procedure say, and I'll tell people what the law is so yeah. that they can make uh, the correct, uh, th so that they're allowed to make the right arguments. And then you ask the judge legal questions, legal questions the parties have in dispute. Right. For example, if the judge, if the parties tried to say, well, um, this is a burglary case, right? And in this case, we've got uh, a guy who um, you know, broke into this house, and then he uh, he tried to steal some stuff, stuff inside, uh, and then uh, somebody got hurt, uh, and now he's on trial for burglary. Um, the judge is going to look at that and say, okay, I, I know, and I'm going to instruct the jurors as to what burglary means. The jury doesn't get to decide no, you're right. what and You raise a good point is. because the judge's power even goes beyond that. In a regular civil and criminal context, the judge can over rule just about anything. The one thing he or she can't change is if the jury says not guilty, then the judge can't say, are you crazy? He's guilty of sin. I, right. I declare he can't do that. But if they find him guilty and the judge says, are you kidding? No, he's not guilty. He may do that. Mm -hmm. In a civil case, if the jury says, I award $10 billion against General Motors, the judge gets to say, no, you don't. The number should be $1 or, or zero or, or whatever. Let me ask you this, Connor. What mm -hmm. did you think about the exciting development of Ken Starr and Alan Dershowitz yeah. joining the defense team just four days before the beginning of the trial? Did that send a thrill up your leg just like chris matthews and obama incredible the fact the idea that uh you would join a trial team four days before the hey, trial when you're begins. as smart as those guys connor i God. mean now it struck me the same way uh, as trial lawyers we know when you go to trial with very rare exceptions when you go to trial, you have totally immersed yourself into it for months or years. You have read thousands of pages of documents, transcripts of depositions, prepared for cross-examination, opening statements and so on. Now, admittedly, these guys are, are just two cogs in a large machine. 
But still, the idea of joining the team and adding substantive value, which, you know, who knows what, what their value will be. But four or five days ahead of time, let's that's talk, pretty weird. Let's talk about exactly what that substantive value is. Okay. It doesn't exist. There is no substantive value Sounds to be like added. you don't have an open mind. I either. don't think you're going to be Senator Connor in this case. I, either uh, Senator, Senator McConnell. Um, and neither of these guys, Dershowitz nor Ken Starr, has anything actually substantive to bring to the table. Well, they're constitutional case. law experts, and that's why they were hired, to give their spin on really what high crimes and misdemeanors mean. They're not constitutional law experts. They're partisan uh, I hacks. I think they are. They oh, absolutely. Well, now, now, okay, now, Alan now your Dershowitz. bias is coming through. Yeah, Alan, I never took off my tidy whities Dershowitz, friend of Jeffrey Epstein, flew to the pedophile island plane, got a massage, but never took <laughs> off his tidy whities so, Plus, so he like, represented O.J. Simpson. Yeah, you great job there. Uh, so, I mean, hey, somebody's got to do it, right? And then, of course, Ken Starr, who made his uh, uh, name trying to uh, railroad Clinton for uh, what he did, uh, lying, uh, doesn't now care about Trump's 10 million lies a second. Obviously, why would he? It doesn't matter. All he really cares about is furthering his own career and, of course, strengthening Republican power. I mean, these guys are the idea of adding these to the uh, to the the defense team is in my mind the ultimate admission that you have no actual real substantive defense on this and you just need the best spin doctors names that and names that people will recognize so that you can uh, abuse the American public with uh, this as you put it media spectacle and show in putting on a defense for the president I think that that it's a reflection of again the fact this is a TV event and I think Trump said yeah, to himself exactly. I know TV mm -hmm. these guys do pretty well on television yeah. so I'm getting them on the team did you hear what Bill Maher said about uh, Alan Dershowitz, uh, uh, he reflecting the fact that uh, Dershowitz has represented O.J. Simpson right. and, and Epstein right. and others. So he said that uh, Dershowitz's clients could be referred to as flabby, grabby, and stabby. <laughs> now, I don't know that that really was acknowledging the seriousness of this impeachment trial. I, I, incredible. Ken Starr and Dershowitz were the dream team of lawyers that defended Jeffrey Epstein when they negotiated the incredibly good deal that Epstein got with uh, Alexander Acosta, uh, sorry, Alexander Acosta, who was the U.S. attorney for Florida when Epstein was getting prosecuted for sex trafficking of children. And they got an incredibly, unbelievably good deal for Epstein, one that has now come under scrutiny, so much scrutiny that Alexander Acosta had to resign. You know, he was no longer the U.S. attorney for Florida when he had resigned. You know what he was? You have any idea? No. Oh no, no. no! He was Trump's Secretary of Labor. Really? Yeah, he was Trump's Secretary of Labor. The guy that negotiated. Now you're getting into minutia. Political minutia. Incredibly good deal. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's sort of horrifying. Hey, that hey, speaking of an incredibly good deal, here I want to run something by you here. They've been talking about a, a swap, like baseball players being traded. Well, we'll give you Bolton if, you know, we'll take Biden. So the deal may be, all right, we'll let John Bolton testify if Joe Biden testifies also. And, of course, people are poo-pooing it and so on. But here's my idea, Connor. Donald Trump goes on television mm -hmm. and he says, he says uh, guess what, folks? I will testify. I will go down to that Senate chamber and I will take the oath and I will testify and tell my story as long as Joe and Hunter Biden testify as well. Mano a mano a mano. Um, very macho move. It's two on one. Can you imagine the ratings if Trump <laughs> and Biden squared off like an ultimate cage fight? fight? Oh, 
I would watch. I would absolutely. I might watch. even pay fifty bucks pay per view. Yeah, and we I, could get rid of the deficit. I just <laughs> thought of that. This would yeah. be terrific. And it, yeah, it would it would be a ratings bonanza. You're absolutely, absolutely right. Uh, it would be a tragedy because Biden uh, would mumble his way through the entire thing and come out sounding ridiculous because. He apparently has forgotten how to be a public speaker recently. I mean, he was never exactly uh, safe from a good gaffe uh, that he committed against himself. But it's only gotten worse. I I can't imagine. All these people want high-powered, fancy lawyers and senators speaking on their behalf. You don't want Trump in that uh, that courtroom to the extent that you could call it a courtroom. And you definitely, if you're the Democrats, you definitely don't want – Hunter Biden in there or Joe Biden in there. First of all, it would just drag Democrats into the mud as though they had done something wrong when obviously they have not done anything wrong. And this whole you know, investigation of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and any connections they had to Ukraine was a complete. Oh, I don't know. Let's use the word. Can we use the word witch hunt? Can we use the word? Yes, it was a complete word. farce. The idea that this conspiracy theory has any merit is unbelievably ridiculous. But that's what I mean. We, we already know that. We know that because Trump didn't say you've got to conduct an investigation of Hunter Biden and find out what really happened. He said to Zelensky, the president of the Ukraine, you've got to announce on CNN that there would be an investigation. He didn't care about the actual about investigation Fox? happening. Well, no, he needed to be it to be on CNN because it's so much more credible. It's so much more credible if it's on the enemy network <laughs> as opposed to on Fox. Nobody listens to what happens on Fox. We all know it's entertainment. I think that the issue of executive privilege, Connor, is going to uh, rear its ugly head because even if we get Bolton to testify, he may not be able to answer all the questions because uh, the Nixon uh, situation, the Supreme Court re- recognized executive privilege is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And if you're dealing with sensitive, confidential, national security stuff, theoretically, Trump could silence him. Would that would that frustrate you to get John Bolton in the dock there and then for him to say, ah, I have to climb up, I, it's executive privilege, the president will be mean uh, to me if it- I, if I talk. It would not be uh, too disappointing because nothing that John Bolton uh, can ever do could disappoint me more than the things John Bolton has already done. So it doesn't actually matter. I I think the whole idea of having uh, a friendly witness, especially having Trump himself be a witness, that makes sense to me in a kind of like, uh, hey, that fiery governor of Alaska might make a good vice president sort of a way. Like, it's not going to go the way you think it's going to go. It's not going to go well. It's going to be a a nightmare is what it's going to be. It's, it's going to be terrible because nothing like no public appearance by Trump has he ever acquitted himself as like the humble defendant who's just done nothing wrong. And he's going to attack. It's all he knows how to do. And that, I think, would not translate. And they're smart enough to hide behind these guys like Ken Starr and Alan Dershowitz. You I, may be right. I, well, I, the, the, the drama is unfolding. <laughs> It is. A few more a few more weeks on the impeachment trial. Hey, folks, we've uh, run out of time, but this has been fun. This is Too Many Lawyers, uh, Connor Oaks, Royal Oaks. We'll see you next time. Hey, America, Christopher Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country? It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts.